Alright, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You're just, we're just going to kind of read down through this passage, uh, but we'll begin reading in verse 15. 15, 16. This here is, we know the story of Acts. I like the book Acts. You know why I like the book Acts? Because things were getting done. Uh, things were getting done. Churches were getting planted. People were getting saved. People were getting baptized. There was a lot of persecution, a lot of uh, pushback, but there's always going to be that when, when God's kingdom is moving forward and, and God's servants are bold in proclaiming the truth in places that's never been proclaimed. And as you read the book of Acts, that's what's exactly what's happening. Paul the Apostle is going and he's planting churches for the glory of God. People are getting saved and he's going into towns and cities where it's completely pagan and, and no belief in Jesus Christ. And he's preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because he said it was the only hope for mankind. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul the Apostle says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so he went to, he went to Greece and he preached. That's what we're going to look at here. He went, to, he went to this city called Athens in Greece. The city of Athens is one of the oldest cities in the world. It was the largest, uh, it's the largest city in Greece, the capital of Greece. It was and is the center of the arts, of learning, of philosophy. It was the home of Plato and Aristotle. They say that, uh, that uh, um, Athens was the cradle of Western civilization and the birthplace of democracy. It was the one of the richest cities in the world and actually still is today one of the richest cities in the world. And Paul goes to this city, Athens, and he preaches the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at uh, verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. The Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Man, I would to God that some of us Christians would have the Spirit of God stirred in us for the lost of this world. For the lost people that are around us, for our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers, and for the world. The Great Commission says this Spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city was wholly given to idolatry. As Paul goes into Athens, he sees the, the hopelessness and the darkness of idolatry. He sees there's no hope in this. He sees that there's no, there's no peace and no joy, no connection with the Father. Paul understands that there is no understanding in anything that's made with man's hands. There's no, there's no godly wisdom in a piece of wood. And there's no understanding in a piece of metal. You can't take clay and pray to that clay and that clay have any power over our lives. That clay did not create us. And that marble did not create us. And those rocks did not create us. And as we see the darkness and the sadness of, of, of whole nations and whole cities and whole peoples given over to idolatry, in our hearts it should stir us 
to speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus Christ. Not because, not because we're smarter, not because we know better, but because we've experienced the wonderful grace of God in our lives. And He would, He would have that grace extended to them by us. That is our calling. That is our calling to proclaim the truth. It is our calling to be a light in this world that's darkness. You don't have to wait to be called for that. You've been called. It is your responsibility, Christian. It is your calling. Verse 18 of chapter 17. Then you see here, if you read down through the verse 18, there's many philosophers there in Athens as Paul begins to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these philosophers, as they came up to Paul, they began to give him kind of a hard time. You see there in verse 18, they call Paul a babbler. But I find that it's interesting that Paul had all the answers to all the hard questions of life, like where we came from or what we're doing here and where we're going, and these philosophers had zero, no answer. No answer for all the hard questions in life. As he began to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to these philosophers, I find it very sad that these philosophers... You know what philosophy means? It's the study of fundamental, the fundamental nature of knowledge of reality, and of our existence. How in the world can you study philosophy without talking to the great philosopher? How in the world can you have a, a, find out where we came from and find out our existence and the, and the, and, 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 and the truths of nature without turning to the Bible? I, 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 I'm, I submit to you today that if we try to find out a philosophy without uh, looking at the Scripture and the Word of God and seeking God, uh, we're at a great, great disadvantage. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is powerful. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. Great philosopher. If you would ask Solomon, he said directly that his wisdom came from God Almighty. That's where it came from. He is the giver of wisdom. He is the giver of philosophy. To think that we could study uh, where we came from or what we're doing or how we can do anything without knowing the truth of, of, of what we, where we came from, the truth that God gives us, is just going in circles. It's just darkness. It's hopeless. It's sad. I have to say that's bondage. I've heard it said before, education without salvation is damnation. We can educate ourselves and educate ourselves and educate ourselves, but until, until we know God, we don't know nothing. Until we know God, we don't know anything. Until we've had a relationship with Him, we have not been exposed to the light, and we're in darkness. That's the truth. So he's there in Athens, and he begins to preach this message. The message begins in verse 22. The Bible says in verse 22 of chapter 17 in the book of Acts, and Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. Man, you know, we were studying in Ephesians this last, uh, last week. Paul asked the church at Ephesus that they pray. They pray for him for boldness. Of all the people that I would think that were bold, that's Paul the Apostle. I mean, Paul went to all these unreached places where they did not want him, and he preached uh, in Ephesus, and he preached in Athens, and he preached in Thessalonica, and he preached in all these places, and some of the people obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and were born again, and some of the people beat him and arrested him 
and stoned him. If I think of someone that was bold, I think of Paul the Apostle, but yet he still prayed for boldness. You know what all of us need as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ? We need spirit-filled boldness to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those that need it. And let me just say this, they need it. I'm excited about proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in unreached villages in India in the next two weeks because I'm truly convinced that no one could change my mind that it is the greatest need that they have. Greater than food, greater than water, greater than medical attention, greater than any uh, any type of education. I am convinced that the eternal life is the greatest gift that a man could receive and a woman could receive and a child could receive. I'm convinced of that. Paul stands here in in the midst of Mars Hill, and he says, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things that you are too superstitious. That's how he begins his message. He stands up. Now, a couple weeks ago, we preached a Sermon on the Mount. This is a whole different Sermon on the Mount. But the preacher is preaching about the same preacher that preached on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I I perceive that you are too superstitious superstitious. You met folks that are superstitious? You know what that is? A lot of times that's a, that is a, 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 they don't have a knowledge of God and who He is. This super, these people were too superstitious. They believed in spiritual beings. They believed in supernatural power. They, they believed in all that sort of stuff because they, they felt the evidences of it, but they, but they did not know God. They did not know where it came from. And Paul was able in this message, Paul was able in this message to the, the folks at Athens to bring great clarity, great clarity of who God was. I love the simple gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I... I Sometimes the black and white uh, of Christianity makes some people mad. But I'll tell you, that's what it needs to be. There is truth and there is lies. There is, there is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no man come upon the Father but by me. That brings just ultimate clarity to the whole situation, doesn't it? And, I, and sometimes people get upset when you uh, proclaim the truth with the authority of God's Word. But boy, I'll tell you, sometimes that's what sets people free is the truth and the clarity of Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 23, he's going to make this very clear to them. He says, For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, Him declare I unto you. Wow! Wow! Paul says, you know what? I know God. I know Him. I have a personal relationship with Him. He says, as I go through your cities, I find that you guys are... Think about this. Try and get this in your mind a little bit. These people were devoted to an unknown God. How do you be devoted to an unknown God? It's hard enough to get Christians to get devoted to a known God. How how do you get devoted to an unknown God? He says that they had altars. That means they were sacrificing things that were important to them to an unknown God. Someone they didn't even know. They were giving up things that were important to them. He said that they worshipped an unknown God. 
Think, think about the joy and the, and the greatness when someone comes to a people that they're worshiping an unknown God. One, usually that, that unknown God, people in these cultures that are in complete darkness worshiping unknown gods, they're always in fear that God is mad at them. You know why? Because they don't know Him. They don't know Him. They don't know that He's love and that He is full of grace and long-suffering and merciful. That He's calling them to repentance so that He can forgive them of their sins and make them His own. Paul said, yeah, I know God. I know Him. I'm going to declare Him unto you. Could you imagine being there that day? Could you imagine never knowing the real God, the one true God, and having this man come up here and say, hey, I know Him. I know the way of the Father. I know the gospel message. I know the truth. Not because I'm so smart, not because I'm so arrogant, but because God's given it to me, and I want to give it to you. It's free. Salvation is free. That's sad to me that these people were worshiping and really in bondage to an unknown God. You say, who puts people in bondage to an unknown God? Who would? Satan himself. God loved these people in Athens so much that He sent a preacher to speak boldly the truth. That's why, that's why Paul went. It's because God loved them. That's why, that's why missionaries go. That's why people, that's why you cross the street and talk to your neighbor. That's why you tell your co-workers because God loved them. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says, For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank God for that. (laughs) Paul was about to give them good news. That's why, you know, sometimes we're so used to the good news. I hate to say this, but we've heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in America so much. Uh, at church and on the radio and all these things that, that it's I, I, it's always good news but sometimes you don't get as excited maybe as you should be about it but my goodness could you back picture yourself a generation after generation in darkness worshiping rocks and marbles and, and wood and then hearing the good news of Jesus Christ that he would he would indwell you and that you could know him and have a relationship with him and could change the course of your family, could change the course of your, your village and change the course of your... That's good news. That's better, than, that's better than any news that's ever been told. That's what Paul went in there and preached. What good news. He said, I'm going to tell you who God is. I'm going to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Amen. When we talk about leading other people's... To, people to Christ. We're talking about pointing people to the cross, pointing people to Christ. It's introducing them to Jesus Christ. What good news. What good news. Look at verse, look at verse 24. He said, God that made the world. I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to worship any God that didn't make the world. I'm thankful that the God that I serve, He's the creator of the universe, that He has all things in control. You know what I mean? He created me. Do you know I believe that? He created me. The God that I serve created us. He created the worlds and all things that are in them. He's the creator. Isn't it good to serve that kind of God instead of an unknown God? A God that someone made hundreds of years ago out of a chisel and a hammer? 
there in the Old Testament, uh, one of the prophets was preaching to those, those nations that, that were worshiping idols. And he says, you take a log and you cut it in half. And half of it you burn in the fire to keep you warm. And the other half you create a God with and pray to it. What if they burnt the wrong half? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And we laugh at that, but not in arrogance. They're just in darkness. They need the light shown. They don't know any better until, he says in Romans chapter 10, how beautiful are they, the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. They go and tell the good news. Verse 24, he said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands as though He needed anything. Seeing He giveth to all life and breath in all things. Do you know where you got your life from? Where you got your breath from? You got it from the creator of the universe. And let me just say this. He doesn't need us. We need Him. He doesn't need a temple to dwell in. He dwells in heaven and in earth. <laughs> wow. Paul says he, is, he, he's a, he can handle his own. We're in need of Him. He's not made of gold. He made the gold. <laughs> he's not, he doesn't dwell in mountains. He made the mountains. He's not, he, 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 he's not made of rock. He, he made the rocks. He is the rock. Wow. That's who, that's who Paul's declaring unto them. The creator of the universe. He says the one that doesn't need us. You know, this, this God that we serve, He doesn't need dusted. He doesn't need protected. You know, if you had a gold idol, you'd want to protect it, wouldn't you? You'd want to protect it from the thieves, right? Well, our God protects us from the thief. He says the thief came not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Our God protects us from the thief. We don't have to protect our God from any thieves. If our God was made of wood, we'd have to protect Him from the fire. But our God, we don't have to protect Him from the fire. He protects us from the fire. Amen. We have an all-powerful, all-knowing he doesn't need us is what I'm saying. We need Him. That excites me. That excites me. He's got everything under control. He's doing okay. He wants to help us. Verse 26. He said, And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their inhabitation. He said God made all man. And He made all nations. And He made all races. And by the way, the Bible says that He made them all equal in the sight of God. And then He gave them their habitations. You know why there's a, an Americas and an Asia and in, in, in Europe and Africa? It's because God made it that way. He tells us that in the book of Genesis. That's my philosophy. Right out of the Bible. That's why we have the different habitations for the different folks. Verse 27, this is one of my favorite. Verse 27 says that they should seek the Lord if happily they may feel after Him and find Him though He be not far from every one of us. 
You know what the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7? Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You know what? If you seek the Lord, you're going to find Him. And boy, happy you will be. <laughs> happy you will be when you find the God of the universe and He indwells you. He takes residence inside of you. What a day. Oh, happy day. He says that He is not far off. Where's God at today? Where's God at today? He's not far off. He's not far off. He's not far off from any one of us. If you've come in here this morning and you don't know God as your personal Lord and Savior, if there's never been a time that He moved down into your heart and saved your soul and you've been born again, let me just say this. He's not far off. He's real close. Ask and you will receive. That's it. Accept the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not far off. If you came in here this morning and, and because of your sin you've been separated in fellowship from God. Your fellowship with Him has not been sweet. It's not been good. It's not been what it, what it once was or what it should be. You know you're born again. You know you're a child of God. But, but, but that's been broken. That's been separated because of your sin. Let me just say this. He's not far off. He's not far off. Your loving Father would receive you back just as quickly as you turned and repent and ask for forgiveness. As we go into these remote villages in India over the next two weeks, I'm glad to say that God's not far off from them. By faith, I believe that many of them are going to meet Him on a one-on-one basis. That when we leave those villages in India, they're not going to say that they know a preacher from America or preachers from America. They're going to say, we know the God that created the heavens and the earth. And we have a relationship with Him. I believe that can happen, don't you? I believe it will happen. His presence, they'll feel His presence inside of them. They'll have hope. Their families will not no longer have to pray to these idols that have no understanding and really cannot help them in any way. As we think of idolatry, we think of the people in all the unreached areas of the world. I must say that there's a lot of people here in our neighborhoods and here in this country that are unreached that need to know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people around here that we need to introduce to Jesus Christ. They may be, uh, look like they're better off, uh, they may, uh, you know, have food and have shelter and have all these things, but they're just as lost without Christ. And by the way, just because someone has a little wood or golden or marble uh, idol uh, is, is not the only type of idolatry there is. When we begin to put our, 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 our titles, our positions, and our, our, our work, our money, are anything before God, that becomes an idol. So many times we're, we, we, we think that materialism or wealth is somehow going to protect us or save us. It cannot. Just as crazy it is to pray to wood or, or, or metal, it's crazy for us to trust in, in gold or paper money. It's crazy. We trust in God and God alone is His, is His people. This is children. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Verse 29 of chapter, uh, chapter 17. He says, For as much then as we were, as we are, 
the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead as like unto gold or silver or stone or graven images and art by art and man's device. You know, Paul's message to the people at Athens was, hey, uh, how to think about God. You know, sometimes our thinking of God is not right. We have to really get to know God by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in our heart and, and get in the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about God. When we begin to think of God as who He is and the all-powerful, high and lifted up, when you think about God, when you read in Revelation of Him sitting on the throne and the, and the four beasts above Him constantly, forever, singing His praises, glory, glory, or whatever they're saying, hallelujah, and, and the four and twenty elders are bowing down and worshiping Him, that's God. Seated on His throne. Wow. All power. When we begin to think of God in His rightful place, we begin to say, Thy will be done. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one eternal God. He always was and always will be. That's God. Look at verse 30. Here's the message. Here's what Paul was driving home to the people at Athens. Here's what we as believers still our message to those that need Christ. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You want to know the command of God? All men everywhere to repent. To repent. You say repent for what? That means to turn from your sin and turn to God. You cannot believe on multiple gods. There is one true God. To believe in Jesus Christ is to believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That, that is repentance. When you turn from anything else, if, you, if you're trusting in your church, your religion, that's not repentance. Right. If you're trusting in any religious activity that you've done, that's not repentance. If you're trusting in anything, anything other than turning to Jesus Christ and saying, I turn to you and you alone and accept you as my Lord and Savior and put you first in my heart. That is salvation. That is repentance. He says, I command all men everywhere to repent. You know what the message next week will be to these folks that some of them maybe never heard of Jesus Christ? Turn and receive Jesus Christ. And turn from your idols. You say, how in the world could could that happen? How in the world could folks that have for, for thousands of years been entrenched in that sort of religion in Hinduism, how could they turn from that when all their friends and family and villages and everyone they know believes that? It's the power of God. If, if I was going there uh, preaching the gospel, not believing the Holy Spirit had power to bring it through, I'd be discouraged. But Paul said that there's power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit draws those uh, folks to themselves and they see the light of Jesus Christ for the first time. I believe they'll accept it. I believe that there's folks around here that would accept it if we proclaim it with boldness. He says in verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. You and I don't know that day, but there is a day. Jesus Christ is the judge. There is a judgment coming. There is a judgment day. The Bible says it's appointed on a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We know about the judgment. 
We know we should let others know. We should let others know that God, the righteous judge, one day will judge. He says that, uh, which will judge the world in righteousness by that which man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. You say, what's the, what's the gospel message? The gospel message is turn to God. Turn to Christ and repentance and salvation. Why? Because there's judgment day coming. Right now, God's showing His mercy and long-suffering toward, toward everyone. He's showing His love and, and graciousness and long-suffering. But one day, there will be a judgment. One day, there will be a resurrection. I don't believe in reincarnation. I believe in a resurrection of Jesus Christ. That He, if we are in Christ, we will be resurrected as Christ was resurrected. Death has no power over that. This salvation message, that's good news. It's something to be happy about. It is something to be happy about. Christians, as we uh, go through the, net, uh, the rest of our week, think of the treasure that you hold in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it as the greatest gift that you could give your neighbor. That you could give your family. And pray, ask the Lord how. How He would have you to do it. How those open doors would come. And then with boldness. When the open door comes, with boldness proclaim the good news. I think of a song that talks about the old story that never grows old. Oh no. The old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. That story will never grow old. I went to a church one lonely night. I sat way back for my soul was not right the preacher was preaching how Jesus died for a sin filled world he gave up his life oh no the old story will never grow old how Jesus died to save my soul oh no the old story will never grow old. That story will never grow old. Well, I went to the altar and I knelt down in prayer. I cried, Lord, have mercy and depart in me. There he lifted my burden, brought peace to my soul, and what made my life new. Was the story so old? Many years have passed by since I found the Lord. I remember that night when the story was told. Time has no hold on the message it brings. That story is old, but it still blesses me. Oh no, sing it. The old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. That story will never grow old. 
first message we preached on a Sunday here in this building. Uh, we had that first service on a Saturday, but the first Sunday service was uh, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. He was going to give living water. And we prayed and we asked God that first Sunday that he would allow us to let living water flow out these doors and into this community to our friends and family and around the world. And God's answering those prayers. He is answering those prayers. Uh, this next week we'll be taking living water from Wellspring to India. And it's going to quench some thirsty souls. Amen?